You're listening to the best of the Visualize You show. To celebrate my first year of podcasting, I'm counting down the top 30 episodes to celebrate all of my amazing guests and just how much fun I've had over the last 12 months. Kicking off the top 10 most downloaded episodes, starting with number 10, video networking and a good sense of humour, Life After the Army with Gareth James. Welcome to the Visualize You podcast. I'm your host, Beth Hewitt. I'm a spiritual performance coach, helping you go from unfulfilled to passionately living your purpose. You'll learn how to create a crystal clear vision for your life so that you can change direction with confidence and have a career or start a business that is more in alignment with your true soul's calling. Each week on the show, I'll talk about topics such as the art of visualization, scripting, manifesting, and the law of attraction. And I'll bring you interviews with inspirational people who have taken that path already, so you can learn the practical skills that will help you do the same. So welcome everybody to this episode of Visualize You. I'm joined today by Gareth James. Gareth has been involved in providing video marketing and production services to businesses for the past nine years. He has also pioneered video and digital marketing training services, helping people to better understand how video and digital marketing works. He is also a presenter and has given talks on video marketing at business shows and expos. And he has also worked with the Digital Knowledge Exchange, which for those of you who know me will know that I was heavily involved in that for a number of years, where he's delivered training workshops and mentoring businesses in video and digital marketing strategies. Welcome, Gareth, to the show. Hello. Lovely to have you here today. It's good to be here. Thank you. So the first thing I like to do is find out a little bit about your journey. Tell us what you've been doing previously and how you've ended up in the world of video marketing. A long story as short as I can make it. 19, I joined the British Army. I was in the Army for 12 years. In 2001, I came out of the Army and ended up in the north of England. And my ex-wife was from Lancashire. I got a job working in IT. In the Army, I fixed guns for a living. And then I basically went into IT, worked in IT until 2009, when I was made redundant and started an IT business. But in the meantime, I developed a bit of a passion and a hobby for theatre and TV, etc. I did some theatre work, and then I thought, I wonder how they do it on TV. So did a bit of extras work, got some bit parts with one-liners, stuff like that, and then started up my own little film group as a hobby. We were making adverts for competitions and stuff, and basically just making short little films having a bit of fun as i said i got made redundant in 2009 but i saw that video had a future in business Mm -hmm. and if i'm honest i really wasn't passionate about um, it i found myself not enjoying my work and i thought you know what i think i'll uh i think i'll start doing this video stuff and me and my business partner we he was made redundant at the time i had the thought and here we are, nine years later, so 2011, August 2011, we started Clockwork Eye. And here we are, nine years later, still producing. Still going strong. Yeah, and enjoying it. And that's the so main you, thing. So you've had a number of pivots there, and quite different shifts. So first of all, <clears throat> repair, what did you do with the guns? The civilian term is a gunsmith. So I right. fix and repair and test them when I was in the army. So everything from 
um, pistols, handguns, all the way up to um, 30 mil rod and cannons, mortars and stuff. So, so how, how does somebody with that experience then moving to IT, first of all, is the similarities in terms of that journey? No, to I enjoyed computers and basically I knew that there wasn't going to be any work for me when I came out of the army because there's not many guns on Civvy Street. But there are some, but the pension scheme in Broadmoor didn't appeal to me, so I, I didn't, <laughs> didn't go down that route. I stayed away from it. So in the Army, you get to do um, retraining. So I did retraining into IT, and basically it was something I enjoyed, and, and I just got into it that way. And it was a career. I was an IT manager of a law firm in Leeds at one point, and it was a career, but my hobby at that time became theatre, really. Uh -huh. Yeah. So have we heard of anything that you've been in then? I've done lots of Emmerdale extra work. Oh. Lots and lots. I was a regular at one point. But I was Jim Broadbent's driver in the train robbery, the Copper's oh. Town. The best part of that job was actually driving around in a Mark I Jag. Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, um, I was a, a, I played an MP in that and had a line, had lines in the uh, train robbery as well. But yeah, it was just, you know, I'm a firm believer that life is a series of tick boxes. Yeah. And that if you want to try something, you just go and do it. You, you don't just sit there thinking, oh, I wish I could do that. It's a case of just getting up and doing it. Because with that in mind, I, I did the theatre, I did the extras work, I did TV, started up the film group, I've done stand-up comedy. And it's all just out of challenging myself. I don't want to be a stand-up comic, travelling around the country, doing the circuit. And I take my hat off to those guys. And I don't want to be an actor. I actually fell in love with the behind-the-scenes stuff yeah. through doing the films. So was it in doing the TV work that you, you saw the other side and you actually thought, oh, this is quite interesting and yeah, wanted was... to find out more about that? Yeah, I got a part in a, a film retirement job, which was a student film in Leeds. Mm -hmm. So I went on audition and I got this part in this film and it was fine. It was, but I was just watching everything. I could get up close to, to the behind the scenes stuff. And it was just fascinating to watch and learn things from a distance and to also pester them and ask questions, which I'm sure they didn't appreciate uh, at the time when they were trying to make me <laughs> a film. But I'm a curious person. Essentially, it's, it's like the board. Is it to do with the sound? Like it the... is to do with the sound. Yeah. Because they film sound and visual separate, yeah. especially more in the olden days, but film sound and visual separate. So when you do the clack, it makes a noise and you can see the spike in the audio mm -hmm. and then the editor can marry up the visual and the sound. Otherwise, you'll have that speak thing. Where is that the sync? <laughs> sorry, For those of you who are listening, because it's a podcast, Gareth is moving his lips. <laughs> oh, sorry, yes, but... Ah, great TV. <laughs> <laughs> so visual radio, nothing like it. Yes, yeah, so, so that was that really. I just really fell in love with the behind the scenes. So yeah. let's talk about videos and let's talk about what you're passionate about now. So why video? I think most people are cotting in on that there's a need to do video and it, it is becoming a lot more easy and accessible for people <clears throat> to do. But if somebody was just listening today who hasn't maybe picked up the mobile phone and, and started on that journey, what, what would you say to them? In reality, video now should be an essential part of your marketing toolkit. Mm -hmm. It pretty much is, is a fact. I always say to people, video is only a medium, but it's the best medium because quite simply it's show and tell. You get to show off your expertise, you get to show off personality, and you get to actually show your products. So 
if you're not engaging with video at the moment, and more people are, thankfully, then basically you are falling behind in the marketing world. So much so that people like Facebook and LinkedIn and Google, YouTube, etc. obviously YouTube, but Google, they, they're all favoring video as a medium. So when people are putting videos onto those platforms, they are ranking them higher. There's one of the things about LinkedIn at the moment is they've just, I follow a chap who does all these tests and stuff. And one of the things they focus on is dwell time rather than anything. So how long does somebody stay on the post? Well, if you make a good video, then basically people will stay longer. They'll stay for the minute and a half that you're actually there. So the dwell time goes up, mm -hmm. which ranks your post higher. But not only that, there are still a lot of mistakes that people are making. For example, people are not using subtitles on LinkedIn or Facebook. Well, LinkedIn videos and Facebook videos play automatically, yeah. silent. And 80% of videos on the, those platforms on Facebook and LinkedIn are actually read. Yeah. yeah. If you think about your own habits and if the listeners think about their own habits when you're on th these platforms, whether it be on your phone or on your PC, you're scrolling away and a video will start. A lot of the time you just go straight past it. And a simple thing like putting a subtitle would then help them go, oh, what's this then? And they would be able to get that first couple of sentences. Yeah. And then they may show interest. So it is a massively important part of any marketing toolkit now. And people don't seem to realize that whenever I talk about YouTube, and I do a lot of training and, and stuff, we were setting up training packages very early on in our business because we, we saw the way the mobile phone was going um, and how it was making it easier for people to create content and that's really good that's all well and good but i always say to people perception is everything okay if you make rubbish you look rubbish so essentially if i was at a networking door and i met you and i handed you my business card and it was a piece of a4 paper badly printed cut out with scissors and i give it to you and expected you to take me seriously then you know i'm an idiot because your perception is going to be oh my god can't even be bothered to do business cards. Same thing goes with rubbish video. Same thing goes for all medium. If you see a poor picture or you see a badly written blog, then perception is everything. What we decided was, all right, we see people trying. So we started putting together training packages. And that's how I got involved with the Digital Knowledge Exchange. Yeah. That's how I met yourself. So do you want to talk us a little bit about the training that you provide then? Yeah, sure. So... There's several different um, things that we provide. Everything really from how to film yourself with your phone, how to edit that content. But essentially what we touch on is not so much the creation of the video, but also the whole distribution afterwards. When you create a video, you think that's the hard part. That's not the hard part. The hard part is then getting it underneath the nose of your audience. The same actually goes for movies. Anybody can make a movie, mm -hmm. but marketing it is the hardest thing. Yeah. So essentially, we teach people not only how to create the content. So we will talk about scripting. We'll talk about presenting, framing, lighting, audio, all these things that can that we take into consideration to make good quality product. But then also the what we do with the product afterwards. So a lot of people think I, I mean, designers and web designers and other creatives who say use Vimeo because Vimeo has got a nicer platform and it doesn't do this and it doesn't do that like YouTube does. 
But at the end of the day, from a marketing perspective, Google owns YouTube. And as I say to people, when was the last time you saw a Vimeo video come up in a Google search? So from a marketing perspective, YouTube is a must. Even if your audience are not on YouTube, for the whole SEO side of things, you get your videos up there. Then you've got your Facebooks and your LinkedIn's and your Instagram's and all the rest of it. So we've developed tutorials to actually show people how to put together a Facebook company page, then how to use the Creator Studio. Because there are a lot of people out there who are now thinking, Creator Studio, what's that? So we've got tutorials on how to use the Creator Studio because you can preload all of your content into there and then schedule it. And basically, again, upload into LinkedIn when people are not adding thumbnails, they're not adding subtitles they're missing a trick massively so that's the kind of tutorials we put together we even have a tutorial on how to create subtitles for free you can create subtitles as as easy as pie to be honest with you it's just yeah and it doesn't cost you a thing and i know people who pay for subtitles files to be made and it yeah. takes five minutes there's normally a free version of something, isn't there, if you're willing to, <laughs> to have a well, look for it. But yeah, I think it's really important that I think, yeah, it's, it's the start of the journey, is it, when you create your video. And actually, you can, not just distributing it, but using that to repurpose it for other content pieces. So even like the podcast that I'm doing, I'm repurposing the, the transcripts for blog posts and other things as yeah. well. So I think it has so many different uses after just making that one piece yeah, it does. I totally agree with you. And the thing is, this is one of the things that I, I find a big misunderstanding with. People feel like they have to create new content all the time. Uh-huh. And they don't realize that you can actually repurpose stuff as you go along. If in three months you reuse the same video, nobody's going to ring you up and say, hang on a minute, I remember that from three months ago. It's not going to happen. It's hit and miss when people see your stuff. That's why when we do our video marketing strategies, it's more about targeting people. Uh-huh who are after your services. So then you create content that will engage with them uh, at what we call the problem zone in their head. So I always use divorce as a good example because everybody understands divorce and they know what it is and all the rest of it. So people are not Googling good solicitors near me when they're getting divorced. They're Googling, how do I get divorced? What are my rights as a father? This kind of thing. So when you start looking at the pain points people are experiencing, then you can start creating content. Because at the end of the day, nobody's going to watch solicitors' videos for fun. You know, nobody at lunchtime says, you know what, I'm going to get my sandwiches, I'm going to sit here and watch some good solicitors' videos. It just doesn't happen. But people who are in that problem point will will watch solicitors' videos. And that's the thing with busy business videos. At the end of the day, people will go onto the internet and watch more entertaining stuff, like 100 Greatest Goals. They only watch business videos when they have a, have a need for that service. So essentially, what we say, we have 10 rules, and a bit tongue-in-cheek, bit of fun. And we always say to people, rule one, don't make a video about you, because nobody cares. And rule two is get to the point. So sit in there and talking and waffling for 30, 40, 50 seconds about who you are and what you've done and how long you've been doing it for, nobody cares. Nobody cares at all. If I'm typing in what are my rights as a father, I don't want to hear your life story. What's in it for me? What, what am I going to get out of this? Exactly. So this is where we, we, we've developed our hook and all the rest of it, where you can engage with people. And when you engage with them, then they will be drawn in to watch the rest of the video. You only have five to seven seconds to engage with them. 
Mm-hmm. That's an essential time because one one of the things I, I started saying earlier was basically there's different types of video as well. People think of you, video, they think YouTube. But at the end of the day, there's client-only content. There's private content for the business. Now we've got an accountant client who went up against two larger accountants and we'd made with them some videos explaining how they will transition the client from their existing accountant to themselves in a minimal, disruptive way. Yeah. So we created this content explaining who they were and what they do and how they do all this. And it was several different videos. So they only use that when they go to a presentation. And if they keep it private, they won quite a large account. And when they asked for feedback, they were told it was because of the videos. Right. And essentially what happens is that they went to the presentation, they did their presentation, showed the video. Then when they sent their proposal through, they included the videos again. So essentially, they're the directors who couldn't make that meeting, saw the proposal, but then got to see the videos. And because of the way people will ingest a video much better, because it's a case of press play and sit back and then take the information in, rather than this 400-worded PDF that... I haven't got time to read at the moment. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to read that now. I'll read it later. But you put a video in there explaining things and explaining the way you do stuff. So that's a private video. That's not going anywhere. That's for you to use in in these circumstances. Client-only videos. People like IT companies and and, uh, telecom companies. These guys who have support desks. How much time is wasted on a support desk answering a very common question? Yeah which could simply be solved by saying, I'll send you a video on how to do that. That's one of the things that we did with the Digital Knowledge Exchange was the digital audit aspect of that program was we used to get asked, how do I complete the digital audit survey? So Mel, I don't know if you remember seeing that video, Mel did that, how to do that, which increased the amount of digital audits that were completed because I think people were getting stuck at that point. So how-to videos have an incredibly... Oh, powerful impact on your processes within the business and how well. much time did it save Mel that's the well she only thing. had to do it once didn't she so yeah, and then... exactly <laughs> and then just email how to do it so uh-huh. when people phoned and asked she didn't have to sit there going through it with them so one of the things that I've seen in your videos is you you use humour oh yeah yeah so, <laughs> yeah which is great not everybody's got funny bones but if you have I like to think that I'm quite quick witted but I wouldn't necessarily do like a comedy type videos, but although you're saying it's not about you, is it important to get your personality across in, in, in the videos that you do create? Yeah, we always say to clients, don't pretend to be somebody you're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and always show your true self. Yeah. So basically, I do like to use humor. As I said, I've done stand up comedy. I, I think it's a really good way to make something that may be construed as slightly dull, a little bit more interesting. Um, I think that you've got to understand your audience. You've also mm-hmm. got to be willing to take it on the chin when people think it's rubbish. Um, I always say to people, there are um, three types of people in the world who who will, especially when it comes to social media, who will, you know, comment on your stuff. People who agree with you, great, have a conversation. People who disagree with you, great, have a conversation. You might learn something. And idiots. And unfortunately, <laughs> the world is full of idiots. So you'll never get rid of them, unfortunately. You could go along and you I think just be yourself and 
personality and having a bit of humor. At the end of the day, if we use this divorce topic and people who are going through a bit of a rough time, not really want the happiest, go luckiest solicitor in the world. You've got to have empathy in that case. But I think that if you doing a topic i don't know which ones you've watched but the, the ones that we do i've even put a dress on before now. that was the one that i saw yeah, yeah. i saw you where you were yeah. talking about what you should wear when you do videos yeah and then the last clip is you wearing a dress and it's very yeah. true though because we have been on shoots where we, we've basically been returned up and we always send the document in advance saying what to wear what not to wear and one of the things we say is don't ladies please don't wear a dress well, the reason we say it is because the mic pack has got to clip somewhere. Yeah. And it's very difficult to clip a mic pack to the back of a dress. And then it's, it depends how long their hair is, if you can cover it. So we've had to, in the past, send them off with another person to the bathroom to under the dress and clip it to the back of the bra strap. And it's awkward. So with a bit of humor, yeah, I donned a dress. And uh, pretended to wear high heels and, yeah, put a bit of humor. You look very nice. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I've done worse. (laughs) Hi, listener. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I thought we'd just pause a moment to let you know that there is so much waiting for you at my website, BethHewitt.com, where you can access free downloads, access the Visualize You free Facebook community where I go live every single week. Plus, you can learn about the power of scripting, access the Visualization Vault, and find out more about my membership, Visualize and Thrive. So go check it out and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Head to BethHewitt.com and I can't wait to connect with you real soon. Now, let's get on with the show. So, if we can just Go back to your kind of career journey a little bit. Obviously, you've done a number of different things. Can you identify one of the life lessons or something that you've been through that has really helped you in this career onwards into video marketing? Is there anything that stands out for you? I think there's a few twists and turns that have happened. When you're in business, when you're self-employed, you've got to take the rough and the smooth. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll make um, a decision in the business that will be a wrong one i think at that point you have to suck it up and say okay that wasn't right we need to change our approach our fourth year in business was the worst year we had and so much so that i had a a bit of depression from it due to Mm -hmm. the fact of pacing the blooming halls at two o'clock in the morning trying to work out what was going wrong etc and i think one one of the life lessons to me there was not to bottle it up and to actually turn around and, and talk to people. I was fortunate that I was on a, a course at the time, and it was I went to the course once a week on a Wednesday. And basically, I phoned up. I'd been up all night, and I said, oh, I can't come in, and I'm knackered, and I'm shattered, I can't come in. And he's, the, the chap, David, uh, said, come in. And I went in, and then we sat there, and it was, I just went, I just blurted out. Mm-hmm. And for it was all business people, there was about eight of us, and everybody went, okay, well, let's talk about it. And that was a real eye-opener for wow. me, especially being self-employed. You take all these burdens on your shoulders and stuff, and, yeah, it was quite an eye-opener for me. And I think you know, that's why I, t- I talk about it openly, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there's no point keeping stuff inside. And if things aren't going right, then you need to talk to somebody, which is where I find networking comes in quite handy. 
because you do build friendships with people who yeah. are also in in the same boat as you. And having somebody that you can say, can I have a chat with you? I just need to get this off my chest. And having that person, those people there is very important. But don't be afraid to actually talk. But yeah, our fourth year was our worst. And it was a decision I made as well, which basically pushed the business down the wrong route. Right. And I, I quite literally, after my event and my conversation with these, these other chaps in this, to this course that I was on, I came back and I whipped up the business plan. And I rewrote it and I rewrote it that week and I went back in and I used them as sounding boards. And that's when we started, we were no longer just a video production company. We were a video marketing company and where we were a marketing company that essentially used video as our primary medium. So yeah, so that's one. Yeah, that's a big one, isn't it? Thank you for sharing that because I know it's not always easy saying that, but I think people need to hear that. As entrepreneurs, we're not, you don't have to be on your own. There are people who will support you even if it's just a sounding board they might not necessarily be working in the business or providing the service to help you deliver a service there's just people that will just listen to to you and sometimes yeah. those people have been on a similar journey and sometimes it's just good to to voice what's going on isn't it and yeah exactly that, and do, do you think if you hadn't have done that at that point you would have been you'd have continued down that track a little bit further or i, I think yeah, i was being stubborn and <laughs> i i think that it would have been a case of if i hadn't have just popped if you like uh-huh. uh, verbally then I potentially would have popped it another way and I, I, I tried to think but I'll never forget the day that I just basically went like a, a pressure, pressure cooker, cooker. Steam mm-hmm. and just went and it was cathartic to be honest with you and I think yeah. we do need to you know they say men keep in more things than women and stuff but at the end of the day anybody who's keeping stuff in needs to to get it out there so that kind of segues a little bit into what you've started up recently which is your one hour networking which has obviously oh. been around other people you see yeah. how, see where i went there <laughs> yeah i see that that's good do you want to just mention a little bit around that and where that came from and we all went online and i'm a member of bni i was a member of the networking groups but everything went online mm-hmm. and the, the bigger organizations reacted, took it on online, and I just found it all very long-winded. It's a lot of sitting there listening. Yeah. And not actually networking. Yeah. So I, I was walking the dog, and I've always been one of these people. I don't see just a problem. I look for a solution. Along with my tick boxes in life and stuff, I will say, well, that doesn't work, so what can we do about it? So I thought to myself, what would I do differently? And I scribbled a concept in my head and came back, phoned a mate who I also network with. He's also called Gareth as well, ironically. It's the Gareth and Gareth show, really. I I said, let me shoot this past you. And I shot the idea past him. And then we just had this brainstorming session. And essentially, we came up with what turned out to be quite a good formula because essentially... We focus on the attendees rather than on the actual meeting itself. Mm-hmm. So everybody turns up. It's one hour long. It's capped at 30 members. Everybody gets 40 seconds. Yeah. There's no membership. It's just pay as you go. So it's a five pound. You come along. Mm-hmm. And basically everybody gets 40 seconds to introduce themselves. We then have a five-minute speaker who gets a chance to talk to everybody about yeah. what they do for five minutes. And then we go into breakout rooms for 25 minutes. So it works really well in the fact that it's an hour long. So basically, the, the, the attendees get to network with loads of other people. 
yeah. in micro networking, one to many's. Yeah. But then we mix it up all the time. We've got people who now have been coming out the whole two and a half months and they've got to know people really well. And business is being done, which is the important thing. We're getting lots of good feedback about business being done. So essentially, um, we didn't have a name for it originally. And after our conversation, I said, let's run a pilot. So we invited a dozen people we knew to come along and just feedback to us what they thought. And the feedback was good. The next Thursday, we said, well, we'll run one. And I still got a name. I thought, oh, it's an hour and it's networking. So I called it one hour networking. And it was that that easy. It's catchy. Just like it says on the tin, as they say. And and basically, the following Thursday, then we ran our first one. And about an hour afterwards, I got a phone call from somebody who'd come along saying, would you be willing to do one on a Wednesday as well? And I said, yeah, I don't see why not. I'm not doing anything else on a Wednesday morning. And and so it's an online networking platform. It's yeah. only designed for online. It, uh, it won't work elsewhere, person to person. And quite simply, it works. And it, it's worked really well. So we've had over 130 different businesses come to fill up the meetings. And we are every Wednesday and Thursday morning, 8 o'clock until 9 o'clock. And that's it, really. And you turn up and everybody gets to talk to everybody. And are the people from, are they local or are they from all over the world? Where, where... It, this is the irony, mostly local because of our existing networking yeah. group. So our existing networking group is pretty much Yorkshire. We've had somebody from Rome, lots of London have, have mm-hmm. come and uh, visited us and stuff. Then our furthest is Melbourne, Australia, and we've had Tokyo as well. And I'm trying to think of Madagascar. Madagascar? Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking, it begins with M, it's near Madagascar. Mozambique? Uh, Mozambique, that's the one. Mozambique. Mozambique, yeah. I think one hour, lots of business people go to lots of networking events. Yeah. There's different formats. And I think actually one hour in front of the computer, you don't have to get in your car, you don't have to get up ridiculously early, which some, I know some networking events are really, really early in the morning. And some of them, yeah, like you say, have too much structure. So I, I really like that concept of actually everybody got, gets to say something and then you get to have some more in-depth conversations within that hour as well. So that yeah. sounds very appealing. It's simple. Simple, but effective. And that's why it works, yeah. <laughs> so has there been something then throughout your career journey that you feel has been calling you? Like you could maybe almost have been breadcrumbs that will link some of the experiences together that you knew where you might ultimately head? Or has it been a complete surprise, all these different pivots? For me... I, I think because of my personality mm-hmm. that the video stuff has been pretty much calling me, as you say, because I'm a bit of a show off. I will say that <laughs> I do like attention when I'm out and stuff. I'm the I'm the the the, the one who remembers jokes because I like telling them. They not doesn't mean they're good jokes. So I think the whole video side of things has really been something that's pulled me. And I also will say. The training side, because I think personally, I like helping people. Yeah. It, it's one of my things. I'm not a materialistic person. And I've always been very guilty of giving too much away. Breaking one of our own rules, which is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, mm-hmm. because otherwise they don't need you anymore. And I've done that several times. But I like helping people, which is one of the reasons why the whole training aspect came along, was because of the fact that I wanted to help people make better content. So yeah, I think 
the, the thing that's been drawing me, I, I do like theatre, I do doing a bit of acting and stuff like that, but I really can't be bothered with the old being unemployed for most of my life <laughs> <laughs> aspect of it. And did you like the theatre when you were younger as well then? No, you, and I don't go now. And you don't go now? No, I've, it was I've, just a, I like it was, being on stage. You like being on stage? Yeah, I've been in nine plays with Bing Theatre and I've never been to watch them. So I'm a show off. <laughs> One of the reasons why I created the podcast was really to help people understand that we've got all these kind of skills and experiences that we amass throughout our career. And I think sometimes we don't always shout about them. And I think we should celebrate them a little bit more. I like to call them superpowers. Are the things that you think that you would say are your superpowers? I can tell you my negative superpowers. I'm not a very tolerant person. I will admit that uh, when I was in the army, we had a magazine and basically we had a for sale and wanted part in the back. And my mate Ted put in there, wanted a diplomacy course for Corporal James. Very diplomatic, I think. But yeah, that's one of my anti-superpowers. What's your proper superpower? What is my proper superpower? Oh, now that's a really hard question to answer. I think I will say I'm good at working with people. When we film, because obviously clients are not performers. And when we actually film with them, immediately you get this kind of apprehension. And I think one of my superpowers is getting them to calm down and then to actually start to perform and to perform well. So I think I'm a good communicator in that Mm -hmm. sense, that I can get them to understand what it is we want them to do rather than just thinking, oh, God, we should get it. Because that doesn't work. And I think that doesn't work not just in filming, but in a lot of things in life. If people don't understand something, then it's not necessarily their fault. Now, if you've explained it 50 times in 50 different ways, then my intolerance kicks in. (laughs) (laughs) And my anti-superpower takes over. But I think, yeah, you know, being, being able to work with people and to direct them, if you like. Yeah, I think that's a good superpower. I think everybody needs a calming influence especially if you're not used to filming I remember doing the filming we did for digital knowledge I think which is on your LinkedIn profile to talk about the work that we've done with you and you put us at ease it feels sometimes a little bit like it's not a real situation is it and you've been asked to talk about something so I think you need that calming influence when you're doing the line of work that you're doing especially if you're directing people to starring yeah. videos it's, it's funny because that's where humor I, I like to use humor as you know as yeah. you remember uh-huh. i like to use humor to take the edge off the atmosphere and you're right it's, when you put people in that position sometimes it can be like really startled in the headlights type of mm-hmm. situation that was the testimonial you did for us wasn't it yeah um but yeah it, i think it, it, that's why i like humor humor can take the edge off a situation a lot better and sometimes being a bit cheeky as well political correctness be damned at the end of the day you judge your audience and you know what you can say and what you can't say mm-hmm. and I think the superpower is understanding where you can take the line to yes yeah you can read people so as entrepreneurs then we all have kind of platforms of choice I would imagine yours is a video but what's helping you get the word out about the work that you do I think one of, one of the things and I think this whole situation with COVID has made me realize a lot more is the, the ability to have one-to-ones with people mm-hmm. uh, a lot easier without getting in the car and driving for an hour or jumping on the train to go to Leeds just to have a coffee and I think this form of communication even though at the beginning 
I was against that. I, I didn't want to have this situation where I was stuck in the office. I enjoyed the getting out of the office. But after a while, hang on a minute, I'm having a lot more one-to-ones. I'm having a lot more conversations. Yeah. I'm doing more with my time, essentially. So I think the way we're getting work more now is through the one-hour networking, through our v but as well as that is is having the conversations with people. When people connect on LinkedIn, I like to give them, I like to do a nice little message. And if, if people are responsive, because some people just connect for the sake of connecting. I don't understand why. When you connect with someone, you should at least acknowledge them when they send you a message. I just think it's rude of other people. But when people do acknowledge you, you say, right, do you want a one-to-one? Let's have a chat. And I have lots of one-to-ones from that, that kind of approach, as well as doing it through the networking. And that's led to more and more work. But I would also say referrals, direct referrals from networking partners as well is quite good. We use video because we tell other people they should use video. Yeah. And through our social media, we do get inquiries. You've seen our videos and and people have seen the videos and people have shared our videos and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of people out there promoting video as a, a medium, but then not actually using it themselves, which I find a bit weird, to be honest with you. I think we, we do use video because, of, but yeah, this is just another way of, of getting business. But I think the one-to-ones and the ability to do so quite easily is, is quite an interesting factor. It makes you wonder what we were all doing before, doesn't it? With You can get so much more done um just doing it all online but weirdly do you think you've got more time uh no I well, we haven't have we <laughs> i'm getting more done in the time i've got but yet it's i crazy. still find that i don't have more time yeah it felt like when i went into the office that my days were long like when you come home at six o'clock maybe it feels like oh that was a long day but actually now same amount of time at home but it feels a lot shorter and the day goes like that. Yes. It's weird, isn't it? It's very strange. And the days are blending into each other. So bef- before we, we go, is there anything more you'd want to share around video that you'd want listeners to, to know about or they should be thinking about right now? The only thing I would say to people is to start embracing it and looking into it more and, and not just make a video and stick it on the internet and see what happens, but actually think about it and have a strategy. This morning, the meeting I had was a strategy meeting, putting together things like working out what kind of content to make, what to do with it once we've made it. And you can film yourself. For less than 80 quid, you can totally equip yourself Mm -hmm. with all of the correct stuff to make good quality content. Your tripod, your microphone, your little clamp for your phone, can all be bought but don't just think of video as youtube there's so many different types of video i do different types of video we do in-car videos for a joke it it started off because we used to see all these in-car videos of people being really serious driving the car and why they drive in their car while talking to the camera i don't know (laughs) but mick my business partner is he's quiet he doesn't say a lot and if you've seen any of our in-car videos, you'll see what it's I like mean. like Teller. <laughs> it's like Penn and Teller, yeah. And basically, whenever we went on a job, it's really exhausting when you film. 
So we got in the car and you, when you go into a shoot, you, your energy has to be up here. And for, for the listeners, I'm putting my hand above my head. And then when you leave, it has to be above, it has to be up here. And now I'm putting my hand as high as it'll go. Yeah, off the screen. And, and it, it, it's basically essentially, you cannot go, you know, I'm not in the mood for today. When you're directing a shoot, you've got to have the energy there. So when we get into the car then, because Mick does all the technical, the filming and that. So he's not like me. He's not on all the time. I go, oh, and I just collapse. And then I thought, like this doing in car video. And it was just selfie stick on the dash, basically. Me talking, Mick's driving. Mick doesn't say much at all. Every now and then you get a yep. <laughs> yep. Nope. Yeah. And I'm talking nonsense because I'm so tired, it doesn't matter. And then I tell a stupid dad joke at the end. We'll do that just for a laugh. We did that for a laugh to take the mickey out of all these in-car videos. And then next thing we're people, when, where's the next one? Why do you like that? So obviously then, because I'm a show-off, I felt compelled to do more. So we did a few more, but we haven't done, done one of them in a long time, but they're good fun. But that's the thing. Video is, is, is a medium and, mm-hmm. and it, it can be used in so many different ways. And if you're frightened of the camera, can I give all of the listeners a, bit, a, a tip? If you think to yourself, I don't like getting in front of the camera, I would like you to do the following exercise. Put your video camera on your phone, put it on books or whatever. You haven't bought the equipment yet because you're not convinced you're going to do video and film yourself doing your 60-second pitch to camera. Watch it, laugh at it, delete it. Do it again, get somebody else to look at it, laugh at it, delete it. I can pretty much guarantee you, yeah, that by about the fourth or fifth time, you'll start saying it's better than the first one. Because until you've got the first one to compare it to, you have nothing but a fear of doing it. Mm -hmm. And you can do it on your own. You could lock yourself away in a room in the house and just do it and see what it looks like. And then just laugh. It's digital. It doesn't cost you anything apart from time. Yeah. And then after a while, you just go, I fell on the first one. Do you know what? It's not so bad. But that's my tip to people who are working with the camera. Sometimes you just got to get going with these things and, and give it a go. Yes. So what's next for you then? We're pushing hard on the training now. We are taking the workshops that we do in the one-to-one training we're putting them online so that's going to be there for people to actually engage with the one-hour networking pushing that forward looking to extend that a bit maybe into evenings as well but from clockwork eye itself and, and the rest of it yes it's much more of the same there is something it's in the back of my mind but i can't tell you oh. not yet it's it's Oh, it's really, it's, yeah, it's in progress. And I wish I could say something because it's very exciting. But uh, yeah, it, it involves a hospice. And we're right. doing some, some project with them. And uh, we did a project with them before. And it's amazing, actually, because this, this is a good little story of how effective video is. They had a memorial service they run every year called the Sunflower Memorial. And basically, we they couldn't do it because of COVID. So they came to us and said, want to do something i said okay we'll do a video we'll do a video memorial so we got them to film we directed them over zoom meetings Mm -hmm. got them to film the introduction the outro the voiceover one of them sang a song one did a poem it was about 10 minutes long this video and we got them to take cutaway shots and stuff and i phoned lisa a week later and i said 
how did it go? And she said, oh, she said, I've told the, I've told the trustees that we're having another video next year for this. And I said, oh, yes, put in your diary. I said, all right, okay. And I said, you know, what prompted that? She said, oh, we made we made £11,400 more in donations through oh just having the video. Wow, that's amazing. Just the video itself. And just the video made 11400 They normally make about ten grand, she said, and they made 21400 this year because it hit a different platform. Mm-hmm. So then it got shared and it got spread out. Whereas normally they had a physical event yeah. where mm-hmm. people came and then made donations. Now they were hitting a completely new market. So we're working on another project with them, which I can't go into okay. about, but it's very more. exciting. <laughs> Tune back in in about a month's time. Thank you so much for joining us today on the show, Gareth. It's been My lovely pleasure. to have. Where can people find out more about you? If you go to clockworkguide.co.uk, you'll see me in lots of videos as well. You're actually going to see what I look like. I can't believe I brushed my hair for this as well. But it's <laughs> basically yeah, clockworkguide.co.uk and I'm linkedin.com forward slash clockworkguy or you forward slash clockworkguy is my profile as well. And uh, yeah, just if you want to get in touch, you want to find out more about One Hour Networking, you can email me, gareth at clockworkguy.co.uk and I'd be happy to have a chat with anybody who wants to learn more about video marketing and the rest of it, even if they just want to pick my brains. And as you can probably tell, I do talk about video. (laughs) Okay, so that's all for today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any aha moments, tag me in your social media stories and please, please, please leave me a review on iTunes. It'll really help me out. Until next time, remember to visualize you.